Hello, lovely podcast people. I hope you are well in this festive season. I imagine this podcast will be going out around Christmas or New Year's or just after. So I do hope that you've had a lovely time. Oh, I did a question box on my Instagram saying, if you could have anything for Christmas, what would it be? And 75% of the answers were extremely, I mean, use the word depressing. Um, and that's not to take away from them, but my goodness, I sort of semi, like, like on the one hand, it was like, you, winky face. So I'm like, oh, I'll share that one and make a joke about it. And then it's like, oh, I'd like my dead family member back at the dinner table for Christmas. It's like the emotional roller coaster of reading through. You know, I must have had maybe a couple of hundred um, sort of comments uh, in the question box. And genuinely, 75% like that. And then it's like going through and just like, oh, I'd like a bigger garden. And then the next one. I'd like to be able to see my family who I haven't seen for five years because of coronavirus. Like, oh my goodness. So I just, and do you know what? I shared some of them because as with the podcast, I want to add some wisdom to your life or just a reminder of uh, some things that might help. And one of those is perspective. So again, like I have been down in the dumps a few times this year and um, <laughs> to put it very mildly and uh it's sometimes in the right time, in the right place, a good time to be able to grab some perspective of what other people are going through. And, uh, you know, to be grateful that you're not having to deal with, say, personal health issues or very bad health issues of a family member or super difficult, stressful financial strain or, you know, the loss of a loved one, etc., etc. So anyway, I really, really hope that Christmas and New Year, which is a very, very difficult time for many, has been as good as possible for you. I don't want to sound fake and just be like, it's been amazing. But yeah, I do hope it has been as good as possible. So this is just a quick lol intro to a podcast that I did with Adam, the breakfast guy. And we really just focused on PCOS. And honestly, I think it's probably the most in-depth account of PCOS information in one place, in one, you know, ability to consume all at once without having to kind of scroll through Instagram posts type scenario uh, that I've ever done. So I really hope you enjoy it. I hope you can share it around with people who might get more from it. You know, I constantly get DMs from new people who have been sent to me by their personal trainer or nutritionist or whoever, um, friend, you know, hi Martin, just wondered if you can help with my PCOS. Apparently you're the guy. And like that's it. And it's like, oh my goodness, like where to start? Let me just do a consultation in my DMs of Instagram. And that's not, again, to insult those people. It's just, it's super time consuming. And so now I hope lots of people can be sent to this specific podcast because there's so much in there. You know, he, he asked me like what my top three things were, which is a difficult question to answer really. And you have to hone it down to three. Talk about lots of the, I suppose, lesser discussed things around the mindset when you do have PCOS and you want to change certain as aspects of your health or um, the way you look or anything like that discuss some of the advice you probably should ignore that you might see out there. So anyway, I'll just leave it at that. It's a really good, long podcast. I know some of you love these, so uh, enjoy. Let me know what you think.
please do share it around you know it's always you know your christmas gift to me this year take that there you go maybe i'll do that i'm gonna record another podcast in a minute which i might release on christmas day and i'll say this on that one too but please uh if you've enjoyed this podcast you know it's just over its year anniversary um take five minutes out of your day to sit down and leave a review on itunes if you do use it annoyingly for android users or spotify listeners you can't do that so much but um again something that is truly meaningful meaningful to me you know with an endeavor like this that hopefully gives back a bit is just to um receive feedback in the form of just sharing the podcast around and recommending listeners um someone did a post today just a brand new listener she had heard me on paul dermody's podcast and she came across to my podcast and said it's the only podcast that ever makes her laugh out loud. Again, makes me feel good. I know I am a humorous individual. Not not so much today. Uh, but it's always nice to be told that that is coming through on the podcast. In live audiences, which is obviously my passion and thing I love and feel most alive doing, it's easy when you've got a whole room of people just laughing. And um, it's more difficult when I'm talking to an inanimate object in a box room on my own. But anyway, so that's that's my Christmas and New Year's wish, if I can ask you for something. Yeah, cool. Hope you enjoy it. And until next time, much love. What's going on, guys? And welcome back to a brand new episode of the Let's Talk Fast podcast. I'm your host, Adam Martin, more commonly known as the No Breakfast Guy. And I hope you're doing what you love with the people that you love. And let's just jump straight into it. Well, it's been a hell of a time to get this uh, incredibly busy man, but incredibly educated man on the show. We've been trying to uh, get this sorted for, I think it's been close to two years, but um, it's at least 18 months. But um, he's certainly no stranger to many of my audience. Uh, Martin McDonald, CEO of Mac Nutrition, uh, host of his own podcast, not another nutrition podcast, but I think most known for his ability to probably do the greatest tricep flex on the planet. Uh, Martin <laughs> Welcome to the show and thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks very much for having me, Adam. I uh, really appreciate you inviting me. Not at all, mate. Well, um, I guess I guess there's not going to be many people I know from my audience because I said um, I've had many requests when I say, hey, who would people like to have on the podcast? Your name is certainly one of those ones that comes up and people keep saying, why hasn't he been on yet? Why hasn't he been on? It's like, well, you can't just say, hey, can you come on to my show and say, just drop an hour of your time uh, yeah. to come and see me. So um, I'm really, really glad that you're here. And again, uh, thank you in advance for your time today. Yeah, no, it's uh, that's nice to know that people have requested. I always enjoy that. I, I was saying to someone recently that um, we're doing this um, live event in November and um, one of our international speakers, because of the world being turned upside down, as you said earlier, has had has had to pull out. And um we've got this free speaking spot and I obviously love public speaking. It's, it's, if I could only do that now, then I probably would and just get rid of everything else. But um, unfortunately I've created this course that you're aware of and it's yeah. unfortunately takes up a lot of time, but um, it, this, I want, I'm tempted to do the speaking slot, but I don't, I don't want to do it just for the sake of just being on stage with all those people. And it'll be amazing. I want them to, you know, I want them to be turning up to hear something that, you know, a topic I want to put out a topic and people go, do you know what? I really want to hear that, hear that talk and, and go to that. But it's, so it's nice that people are perhaps looking forward to hearing what I have to say today. And I, and I know you've got some cool topics lined up. So yeah, I'm excited. So thanks very much. 
No worries. Well, just to kind of give, I guess, a bit of background to those who might not know uh, who you are, kind of what is the story of Martin and kind of who are you today and kind of how did that all come about? And I guess Mac Nutrition and everything that kind of a circle, uh, I guess, encompasses all of that. Goodness. Wow. How long have I got? Uh, Take as long as you uh, need. <laughs> so background, quick background to me. I start, it's a long time since I've done one of these. I, I went through a period of doing loads of podcasts, uh, guest appearances, and I kind of had it down to a T, so I'll have to remember what I used to say. But I initially started out in the, the realm of sports science. And um, whilst I was doing my undergraduate degree in sports science, I, I, I snapped my ACL in my left knee playing football and then kind of got into weight training. And I've always been obsessed with muscles. Uh, you know, a lot of people see... You know, I've been seeing on TikTok a lot recently, people like, you know, people think people who go to the gym are obsessed with themselves, but really this is our therapy. But genuinely, that's not me. I don't go to the gym for therapy. I actually hate the gym, uh, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm sort of obsessed with the effects it has. And, and I bought my first bodybuilding book when I was, or my first weight set when I was 12, saved that pocket money to buy the encyclopedia to bodybuilding by Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Oh, yeah. I've got it on my shelf here, but it's like a it's like a fifty pound book, and when you're fifteen, that's a lot of money. <laughs> um, and uh, but so as I was studying sports science, I ended up competing in natural bodybuilding for five years, and it really sort of unlocked my passion for nutrition. Just realizing how much of an impact nutrition can have on the human body, how how different as well. I guess what I was doing was to maybe general government guidelines i mean you kind of said there about the no breakfast guy i'm sure there's a story behind that but one you know it's things like that that wasn't one of my initial epiphanies that you, not everyone needed to eat breakfast and it wasn't necessarily the most important meal of the day but things like you could eat far fewer carbohydrates than maybe we were typically told and, and you just adapt all of these things and maybe slightly higher protein intake and what that did to your cognitive function as well as performance in the gym and recovery but um anyway then i went on to do my my master's in uh, uh nutrition and sort of started to specialize there and started my consultancy but also i love teaching i love lecturing i love being center of attention uh which it's funny like oh why did you go into lecturing well to be honest just because i was guaranteed an audience every week <laughs> you know they, they have to be there they pay to be there uh but i just you know i, I love i do love i've got kind of pastoral side to me the education side of things and so through the lecturing i then I then ended up starting my consultancy working with athletes um, on nutrition. And because of my bodybuilding background, you know, essentially I was young, stupid and reading stuff off the internet, which is more often not incorrect. Uh, but, you know, I starved myself for bodybuilding competitions. And I, if I could do it now, I'd do it very, very differently. But people just look at you and go, oh, you must know a thing or two about nutrition and body composition. You know, I was studying a degree. I had some academic knowledge, but... Uh, it just kind of fast-tracked me a little bit, I guess, into sports where body composition. So I was the lead performance nutritionist for British weightlifting and Paralympic powerlifting for, you know, quite a few, you know, a couple of Olympic cycles, world championships, and, you know, eight years really involved with them. And um, it just kind of led to more stuff. Then I, I ended up working with a couple of low-level celebrities that mentioned me on TV, and my consultancy side just took off. 
and that that then was my first career really was was the mac nutrition consultancy working with you know it was athletes but then it became general public and then it became corporate wellness and <clears throat> everything that it grew, grew to become and just because then i love educating i love i love the positive side of social media and you know being able to help people on like this grand scale and um <clears throat> it started i guess educating other professionals and I don't mind being controversial. I don't mind calling out bad practice and, and stuff like that. So then the controversy kind of, oh, this guy's quite interesting. Well, I'd like to hear what he's got to say. So it grew. And, you know, over a period of maybe four years was educating practitioners, doing mentorships. And there was just this big cry for like, there's nothing out there that's just truly evidence-based, based in the science, based on real life practitioner expertise, um, in nutrition, you know, can you create this longer form course? And, you know, funny story, it was just going to be a little YouTube course, like 12 week course. And I announced that I was going to release this, like, you know, Martin McDonald qualification. And it just, the internet blew it up. And everyone was like, he's creating this thing. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be the best course in the world. And I was like, oh crap. Like I wasn't really thinking it was going to be all that. I just thought I was going to provide something half decent. And so, we almost did a bit of a crowdfund thing and uh, you know, it just became massive. And then Mac nutrition uni was born, you know, we basically shut down the consultancy and wrote this uh, amazing course that we've, you know, I can say amazing now because those are other people's words, like life-changing course, uh, you know, global course now in 65 countries and, you know, created something that I'm now very, very proud of and is, you know, I guess has been a bit of a game changer in the industry and, um, you know, being able to, and I, tr I truly believe in it, in that it, I never created, created it to replace anyone else or to compete with anyone else. It was standalone. But there are now people quitting their degrees and their masters in, in dietetics and nutrition and doing Mac Nutrition Uni instead. And initially I was a bit like, don't do that. Like we still live in a world where people like, bsc after someone's name or they you know a dietitian is somehow seen as this amazing practitioner being able to help people in the real world whereas dietetics is a very specialist subject where you're helping people in clinical situations in hospitals tube feeding i would never um try and do that myself i would never try and tell our students and graduates to do that but i'd put any of our graduates against a dietetics graduate to help people in the real world, in real situations with behavior change, you know, nutrition for manipulation of body composition or sports performance or these kind of things. Um, but really that's where I am today is, yeah, I, I've become more of a CEO having to run this ship. Uh, but that's why I love doing stuff like this, just to kind of still keep giving back, still having the nice, I've just posted on my Instagram story today about a lady who's just, followed my content for a year and um has has gone a, a huge way to reversing her pcos and she's just it's all just free content and it's just like i've just read your post absorbed applied and she just wrote this really lovely comment on my most recent post and i just sort of screenshot it and so doing stuff like this i, I really enjoy um because it's just nice to still have that connection on a one-on sort of one-on-one -on -one level unfortunately i can't go you know, we were meeting up weekly to help, to, to help her situation. But, uh, and then my tour talks that, you know, that hopefully when the world is a bit more normal, I'd love to get back to, 
Australia. Um, and I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to do New York and Toronto in 2020, but again, just the world shut down, but doing these public talks much more aimed at the general public. Uh, it's kind of just, I get a lot of compliments on my, about my podcast and making complex things simple. I think it, I think it is a skill. It's not something I've practiced, but I think when you really understand stuff, it, it becomes easier to dumb it down and it doesn't feed my ego too much because I like being the clever person in the room. Uh, I value that about myself, but being able to truly help people, I think you do have to just almost humble yourself a bit and go really this telling them about the pragmatic, the practical stuff is far better than talking about transcription factors um, in their adipose tissue and the changes that insulin resistance will cause. It's just like, oh, it doesn't help, but it's um, that's the fun stuff for me, which I just have to geek out with people like you maybe, but uh, yeah, yeah, anyway. (laughs) So that's um, me. Yeah, I mean, the the way you kind of obviously we led into PCOS and I'd certainly love mm. to go down that um, tunnel with us today. And yeah. I don't know exactly what I'm calling this podcast uh, yet, cool. but it'll be something around, you know, talking PCOS with Mark McDonald, but whatever it might be. Perfect. But <laughs> I kind of just wanted to share with you a little bit of a story to kind of give you back and in, in a way feed your ego as well uh, in this oh, place. Because nice. uh, like, in that um, my exercise science degree as well, I, I kind of went through that in being a 18 year old young horny male kind of thing thinking I'm going to get this exercise science degree I'm going to be a PT I'm going to take care of celebrities and really hot young um, models and that's going to be what my job is for the rest of my life and um, I mean I'm very uh, open to say I'm five foot eight I'm skinny scrawny and and I was even more so back then and I had a girl on a date once basically say that oh you're a PT you don't look like one and from that moment, it was like, you know, it kind of just struck me to the heart when I'm like a 19-year-old kid kind of thing. But um, yeah. I remember one of my first kind of clients, and most of my clients were, was a more middle-aged woman. And I basically, because I was that, un, I guess, I'm unthreatening to people because I am short, I'm small, I'm very softly spoken usually and kind of um, easy to get along with. I kind of struck up a chord with more 40, 50, 60 year old females. And when I got into kind of clinical practice and I started my business, I very quickly realized that the other PTs that were on the gym floor who had those model looking kind of younger females, a lot of those younger people didn't have a lot of money. Whereas my 60 year old clients were very wealthy and very affluent. And then they had affluent friends. And so my business exploded by taking on obviously these lovely older ladies that I was working with and had much more complex um, issues anyway that I actually enjoyed working with rather than the conversations I used to overhear that they were kind of going through over over there and so that kind of streamlined my my kind of career and that's kind of where I've been to and I've now completely turned on the head because my business had to be shut down because of COVID Um, we were in a massive lockdown in Australia for you know five six months all gyms yeah. were closed. My clinic had to close. And so I was already pivoting to a more online kind of space anyway, a couple of years prior to that. <laughs> and I guess this forced it um, upon me. And I've kind of started my own kind of program online. And you have been a big inspiration in that you've created, you know, something out of what was just going to be a 12-week course. I have a 10-week course. And it's now something I'd love to turn into some sort of school-based process where I'm actually getting everyday people who are learning or wanting to learn how to lose weight, do it sustainably, look at the mental health side of it, the physical health side of it, and the whole kind of 
I guess education around that is something I'd love to kind of mold that into into the future. And so, yeah, watching your stuff and how you've gone about it, um, I'm sitting there writing notes always like, oh, that's a good idea. I like that. And so just to say, you know, I thank you for, you know, what you do and how you go about it. It certainly shaped a lot of what I do. And I know me helping people is a product of you helping me. So I think you thank you for that. Yeah, no, that's I mean, that's really nice to hear. It's it is funny. I mean, and it's really nice to be told that stuff. So I do appreciate it. And I'm, I often find myself um, <clears throat> doing like, inst- I started doing Instagram stories about three years ago. And I, I go through phases of just going, what's the point? And I, I like it when I'm in a, in a jovial mood. Like I love making people laugh. It's, it's another part of the public speaking. It's not just education. It's, I think it's a nice gift to be someone who can make people laugh. And, and, and then if you can make nutrition or learning fun because you make it funny, um, it's cool. But, but other times I'm like, what's the point in this? I'm just, I'm just chatting and I'm not giving out, I'm not educating loads. And I, cause it just gets boring if it's just constant like science. Um, but, but I do get snippets like you've just given there of, you know, showing what the life of a, CEO is I'm getting more comfortable with that term it it feels funny because I don't feel like a real CEO and I'm sure you've seen the way I am with my staff it's just like is a bit of a fun house and um but but kind of showing the the bit you know the the realistic business side of things some I used to talk more about loneliness uh because as a business person or even even as an online PT or nutritionist whoever you are there there is a level of if you're not in a company it can be quite a lonely world. And our mentoring lab is quite a nice community because lots of these people are, you know, people go, oh, it's amazing just having, being able to work in a coffee shop. It's amazing just being able to work at the beach or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but you're on your own, which over time sucks. So having other people who are walking the same journey and that kind of stuff. Um, but it is nice to kind of go, yeah, I'll just show some of the, the reality of, you know, the highs and lows of business and and how I've done things and you know even some of the boring stuff like GDPR like that was a new thing when it I don't know if it's GDPR global or we've got this new thing I don't know if it's the EU or or, or before whatever and uh, or now the UK yeah. but all, all of this um people being able to own their data like um and you you have to basically file exactly how you keep people's information like it just it's almost like a money-making exercise it's horrific but anyway the boring side of um of business and helping people is is then having to do that but anyway yeah so i appreciate it no not at all um well again as i said i just highlighted that uh, you spoke about that lady who shared um you know something around your um, content on pcos in particular and mm-hmm. as i said it's certainly a topic that I'm starting to, as I go more into the world of helping, as I said, mostly females, I think 95% of my clients are female. Um, So I'm seeing much more of it. And it's certainly something that I'd love to be able to help my clients with more. You are certainly um, an authority on this um, topic and you've certainly done a lot more research and a lot more um, knowledge base um, research on that. And I'd love you to share just some of, I guess, the the myths out there that people hear and, you know, kind of clearing some of those up as well as, you know, what are some of the dietary requirements? Are there dietary requirements? Um, are there things that we should be looking to have more of, less of, all those kinds of things is kind of yeah, giving a bit of a background to, you know, what is PCOS um, in a nutshell and kind of what should most women be looking out for and what should they be doing on that kind of foot, uh, footpath to kind of help with the symptoms or the condition itself? Yeah. Um, 
I often get asked, just as a bit of a prefix, like, and it is funny because I don't know if you know, it's just been PCOS Awareness Month. Um, and uh, so I've been putting out more content and I get all these, and it, the, the entire PCOS realm is very female dominated. And I've, I've had to bite my tongue a little bit um, because, you know, I get jip sometimes about, um, well, like the fitness industry gets jip and there's lots of gender-based crap going on in terms of, oh, men, women, blah, blah, blah. And just, it's just like, just stop making stuff about gender. I even just did a post about, when I posted that one about that woman with PCOS, I said, you know, I'm just a white CIS, you know, thin, privileged male over here doing my thing sort of thing, just helping people because there's so much negativity. And, um, but anytime it's like, oh, there should be more equality. But I've, I, you know, I've donated thousands of pounds to PCOS charities and, and like sold my talk and given all the proceeds away. And, um, and then you just see all these PCOS Awareness Month panels and it's just literally six women. And I'm like, where's the equality? It's just like, I've got a, you know, unique point of view and, and like even breastfeeding, you know, I've, I've done some good content on breastfeeding and it's like, even people without any qualifications going, what do you know? You're, you're not a woman. And I'm like, I don't need to have breasts <laughs> to be able to talk about evidence-based, you know, the science, the, the research on this area. Um, but I actually got into the POS, PCOS round because my, my first child, Orly, my baby, is um, a bit of like a PCOS success story. And, um, you know, then I had family members who, who, who I sort of helped uh, early doors and then did my postgraduate clinical nutrition postgraduate and my research project, uh, research review, I, I focused around PCOS. And it just so happened that my professor at the time was a, research, a leading researcher in the area. So it was cool. And it was a really good experience because I went in with a very critical mindset and ended up... Um, really criticizing some of the recommendations that she had made in her, you know, big, you know, global publications on the area and backed up my thoughts. And she gave me my best grade that I got in my whole postgraduate. Um, and I was like, you know, I had so much respect for her at that point that she, cause I wasn't attacking her. I was just like, I sort of, this is my take on things and this is why. And I think maybe there's a bit of a generalized approach that's been given here instead of specific. And she took it, you know, and gave me a great grade and, and sort of bolstered this interest I had. And so just ever since then, it's just an area that I've really, really invested in. And like yourself, working with a certain demographic, you see it more and more and you want to help people and therefore you do your research. And there are myths. And um, I suppose the first thing I want to say about this area is lots of the stuff, like I, I, I often think I should use the tagline more of like making nutrition sexy. I've, I was like going to use that as a bit of a tagline for my podcast because unfortunately the myths and the misconceptions uh, or, or, or the myths and the dogmatic approaches are a lot more sexy. They're a lot more alluring than good, boring, bog standard advice. I'm not, are you big into memes? Do you look at memes ever? I like uh, Dr. Nadowalski. I think he's last, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's great fun to watch. Yeah. So he's a, he's a friend of mine. He, he's used this one before. So there's like a, uh, a guy, there's two girls, his girlfriend, I presume stood next to him and he's like turning around looking at this other girl. Yep. Have you seen that one? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, so I've got this meme and I never managed to post it during PCOS awareness month, but it's like, the girlfriend who, you know, they're both good looking girls. And so 
but he's obviously looking at the one he hasn't got. But so I was on the girlfriend. It's like good, effective, but boring advice. And then the the guy in the middle is the woman with PCOS. And over there, it's like BS, quacky, sexy, non-effective, expensive advice. But it's always just looking grass is green on the other side. <clears throat> and it is unfortunate because when someone gives you this golden spoon of cut out dairy, cut out gluten, if you do that, your PCOS will be fixed. It's such a bold statement. It's such a you know, attractive prospect. If I just do those two things, I'll be sorted. I don't have to try long-term. I don't, and this is why, you know, in other realms, I'm sure you're aware, it's like, you know, just, just cut out carbs, you'll lose weight. It's a very easy single thing to follow. You don't have to worry about other macronutrients. You don't have to count calories. You don't have to measure stuff particularly. You don't have to, um, you know, pay attention to all these other variables that are important for health. You just do that. And, <clears throat> and we know that it's in the short term, somewhat effective. Um, but with PCOS nutrition advice, lots of the stuff that works isn't sexy. And it is, you do have to look at the, the whole of the situation. And I'll, I'll just touch on what you said about what is PCOS. So there's something I tend to go by what's called the Rotterdam criteria. And essentially you've got these three facets um, and I've got a Venn diagram, which is out there on the internet, but uh, you know, it's the same as any Venn diagram if you put it into Google and um, you've got, so you can have cysts on your ovaries, multiple cysts. So that's your, your poly, polycystic side of things. Um, and then, but then you've got hyperandrogenism. So elevated levels of androgen. So high testosterone, which, which, I'll go into that in a minute. And then on the other side, you've got menstrual cycle, you know, dysfunction. So amenorrhea, so the loss of your menstrual cycle or oligomenorrhea, sort of just periods of long periods of missed cycles and, and this kind of stuff. And you don't, you only have to have two out of the three to be, to, to have sort of this PCOS diagnosis. And um, so you, you get to this element of what are we trying to sort here? And a key factor within PCOS is insulin resistance. And it's a funny one because, and, and, and one, I think a good thing for people to realize is this, this insulin resistance seems to be intrinsic to PCOS. So um, if you take a group of control females, similar age, similar body weight, et cetera, and then women with uh, PCOS, Again, these are, you know, randomized groups, but there's no difference on the surface of these individuals in terms of people say, well, the women with PCOS have higher body fat. No, we have control for that. They're the same, but at the same kind of BMI is often used. And I, you know, I'm, hopefully your audience is sort of aware there's inherent flaws with BMI, but we'll, we'll ignore that for now in the general population. But at the same BMI, there is a statistically significant higher insulin resistance in women with PCOS. So this is why we know it's, it's genetic. There, there's an issue here that when it's not just, well, women become overweight and then, and then of course they're gonna get high, their insulin resistance is gonna go up and their insulin sensitivity is gonna go down. And of course they're gonna end up with PCOS. If that's not the case. There is, we also have this lean phenotype. So phenotype is like, so your genotype is your genes. Your phenotype is what um, is outwardly expressed in your appearance. So like your phenotype is like your eye color 
but your gene genotype is what genes code for eye color. And so we have this lean phenotype. So you can have PCOS and still be lean, but another woman who's just as lean as you will have likely have lower insulin resistance anyway. So there's this interplay, which is a bit, uh, makes PCOS a more difficult condition for us. And so with the hyperandrogenism, you also get some of these symptoms, which are like um, facial hair growth, hirsutism, and um, acne, sort of uh, poor comp you know, complexion, that kind of stuff, um, as part of that. And, um, and then we have the issue of weight gain, potentially. And so it's annoying because one of the, one of the things and this is where my controversial side will come out. But one of the issues is that PCOS affects millions of women and the amount of research funding that goes into PCOS is tiny. And often, even in that tiny amount of research, it's also just focusing on like um, the additional sort of comorbidities of PCOS. So women with PCOS are more likely to end up um, with like cardiovascular disease risk factors and cardiovascular disease. So you, we're then going, oh, we need to, women with PCOS have this dyslipidemia, their blood lipids, their cholesterol, for sim simplicity's sake, is messed up. And so what diet can we give a woman with PCOS to sort out her cholesterol? And great, it's good that we know that, but the, what the research has shown is pretty much the exact same that we do for everyone else which is, um, I'll, I'll go and maybe go into that as sort of an ending point of the diet, the PCOS, but it is this kind of whatever, you know, the Mediterranean diet is such a horrific term in that it's, you can almost just make up what you believe the Mediterranean diet and you get people from the Mediterranean going, that's not how we eat. <laughs> and, and, and like, so I saw one paper that went Mediterranean diet is good for insulin resistance, resistance and type two diabetes. And the, the protocol they used was people in the Mediterranean don't tend to eat breakfast. And so in this study, they just had coffee in the morning. And it was like, you, you've literally just made up a Mediterranean, like, cool, cool that you've had this finding, but I wouldn't go Mediterranean diet is coffee for breakfast, but I'm not, you know, I don't live there. Uh, but what we generally understand around the Mediterranean diet of, of like the, the, the olive oil, the you know, non-processed carbohydrates, the kind of whole grains, the fruit, the legumes, these kind of things. Um, but also fish oil supplementation. So like massive fish oil supplementation, EPA and DHA being the important omega-3s that we're looking at there. And again, vegetarians and vegan can get algae produced EPA and DHA, so they can still get the exact same benefits. But, but that's sort of focusing on the cholesterol side of things as opposed to PCOS specifically like the the early stage and we know that women who have excess fat who have PCOS will across the board benefit physiologically from weight loss across the board and so we can apply much of what we know about weight loss almost everything we know about weight loss in terms of behavior change appetite management um, and then setting up the diet in a, in a way that, that 
facilitates those things. Um, and so it's easy, easy, quote unquote, um, you know, I've got that, I don't know if you've seen my quote that people use, but it's like fat loss is, is easy, but not simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, no, it's simple, not easy, sorry. And it's like one of those things, it's like, we, we understand what we need to achieve. It's just not necessarily always easy to achieve that based on a, a myriad of different things. But there's, uh, and my, my most recent post on Instagram was, there's no magical diet for PCOS. And there's just simply not. But there are a few things we can, it, I, was, I was trying to sort of say, we can make it sexy. Because if we go, right, I have acne, I have facial hair growth, I really hate those things. And, you know, you get people, I'll do anything to get rid of those. And then you go, right, eat some chickpeas and some linseeds. And it's like, what? Like, or if I just go eat healthy, add some chickpeas and lentils or whatever to your diet. And they're like, bore off, like then effort to cook. Whereas if I could give you a, a chickpea tablet, you'd take it. Even if I went, it'll take 10 years off your life. People would still take it. Like a, a large percentage of people still take it. But so I'm trying to make it sexy of like, look, if you have these foods, which are high in these things called lignans, they are likely to help with increasing the levels of what's called sex hormone binding globulin. And that binds to the testosterone, which you've got too much of, and it stops it giving you facial hair and acne. It stops that to an extent. Suddenly people go, oh, this guy's talking sexy. You know, I might try on a date one time. <laughs> that, that's my, that might be my Tinder bio. Hey, you want me to increase your sex hormone binding globulin? <laughs> Um, but the, but it's, it is one of those things. It's like, I'm not just giving you boring, crappy advice. I'm giving you super science, super evidence-based advice that, that we have proven to have statistically significant effects specific to you as a woman with PCOS. Now flip on its head, that would benefit me and you, um, that would benefit Everyone, everyone should probably eat more legumes, you know, apart from vegans. But I mean, even some vegans would probably benefit because they're just, I call some vegans junk foodarians. Like <laughs> I, when, when I used to work with athletes, some of them would just go vegetarian or vegan and they just literally would just eat donuts and like just crap. They just fast foodarians. They actually just weren't eating a nutritious, what typically would be a really healthy vegan or vegetarian diet. Um, but yeah, we could all benefit with eating more legumes, but making it specific to PCOS is like you, you maybe more than anyone can get some real, um, physical or, uh, measurable or, uh, visual benefits from doing these things. If you commit to doing it, um, and so it, it's stuff like that. When I say about the Mediterranean diet, it's like, you need to eat more whole grains. It's like, ah, oh, like what a boring message. Like even me as someone who's interested in this stuff, I'm like, oh, bore, boring, you're boring me. Um, but I know myself, like I have, uh, uh, I get meals delivered for me and um, I specifically go out of my way to look at which of those meals you could, you know, I can pick a really nice like ragu bolognese type option, or I can pick this other really nice one, which is like a knocky one that I love. But then I go out of my way to look at the ones, which are the ones of these that have got, are using chickpeas, are using lentils, are using legumes, um, 
you know, adding seeds to things, like all of these other areas, which I know I'm don't have time and or the inclination to make these fancy meals with like three different beans or legumes in the in the recipe. But if I'm buying it, I'll or if I go to a restaurant, I'll make that effort. But it's, you know, maybe I'd have more of an inclination if I had a medical condition that I knew was really going to benefit from this. So in terms of your audience and in terms of you working with people, like I, I've even thought if I had more time, I'd write a cookbook that's like a PCOS cookbook that just had 10 recipes that are relatively simple. You know, they're not fancy recipes because, again, I, I want to help as many people as possible. And I'm not necessarily trying to work with people who will really want to cook like this amazing dinner. I want to help someone who's a busy businesswoman or busy mum or, you know, busy person you know woman but still has a nice taste to it and also isn't like soak your chickpeas for 48 hours and you know it's like oh geez like we'll find other you know ways around this to simplify it um i'm sure as yourself as like a practitioner it's like you're always looking for almost that bang for buck exercise and that bang for buck method and strategy with someone's nutrition that it's like as little effort to get you know at least 80% of the benefit. I can't remember what that. Um, I always call it um, my scale of shit that matters. Right, so, nice. So the scale down the bottom of you know, the ladder of the you know, shit that matters, you know, the big run at the bottom is the one, as I said, that you need the least amount of input but gives you the most return um, on that. And yeah. yes, the one at the top does have a benefit. You've got to put so much effort and it gives you this 1% that yeah. maybe the Olympian who's lining up on the 100-meter final, it makes that difference between a gold and a silver. But for Joe Smith, who's at home and just needs to have an easy thing to kind of attend to, it's just not worth uh, worrying about until you have these other runs of the scale of shit that matters. Done. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, on this whole topic of, like, I'm just going to jump back as well in terms of some of the research on women with PCOS is we also have this unfortunate situation. So when I started saying there's limited research, um, I feel like, and I, I might be guilty of this as well, or at least I say something and people run with it. Like I did this, uh, we put on this clinical conference or it was out the live day that I mentioned that we've got in November, like that one, but three years ago, two years ago. And I did my talk on PCOS. And uh, after that talk, I literally saw, you know, what I had delivered and unfortunately, it's like, um, you know, people take one slide and and miss all the nuance that I sort of spoke about and just go, this is so like carnitine is one of the supplements that I mention as a possible benefit. It's, it's like on, on your pyramid there. It's like high up on the pyramid. Um, but at the same time it's still somewhat inexpensive and is without too many complications and all these kind of things. So I'm not adverse to people trying it, but they're like basically going, every woman with PCOS will benefit from taking L-carnitine. And this is what, and I'm like, that's not what I said. Um, so you've got this situation um, where the research is limited and what I'm getting to is the metabolic rate 
of women with PCOS, which is a big discussion point. And in fact, I, I went off to, I just remembered something I was going to say earlier. Let me just make a little note. I'll come back to it. <laughs> um, no, in fact, I won't. I'll, I'll do it now. Sorry. Um, you know, earlier when I was going my controversial side and then, yeah, now I suppose I was saying there's not much research. Basically, there's this petition for the, to, I think it's to the UK government about giving more research funding to the area of PCOS. And it, I, I'm irked about it because yes, it needs loads more, re loads more research on it. But the people that like these big PCOS charities and the people I see doing, doing this are morons like, and they're promoting moronic messages. So they're like PCOS awareness month, here's 10 accounts you should follow. And yes, I fully admit that I was just like, why the hell aren't I on there? Like there's a, as from a purely, what's the word? Self-indulgent feeling I, I i'm happy to hold my hands up but at the same time i look down that list and five of the people on that list are morons and i know they're morons and i know their messages are bullshit so i'm like i'm annoyed i'm like when when they don't give you the money i'm gonna go at sad for the women with pcos but you don't deserve that money because you're morons and maybe when you pull your socks up well you know i'll get on board with you the sort of bandwagon but you know promoting just non-efficacious messages and promoting like people who alternative people um you know people with these alternative method podcasts and you know like you know the whole reason that people women have pcos is because they need to be more paleo and it's like oh my goodness these are like some big time doctors in the uk and also this whole thing of like no no woman with pcos should be intentionally losing weight like one of the people on this panel is literally like part of the fat positive movement and I, I you know again touching on our live day we've got we've got you know an expert within the weight stigma realm uh body acceptance realm because lots of this stuff if you really delve into it, it's like in in my pcos talk i talk about do you know what you shouldn't start the weight loss journey until you're truly ready. And if you have spent a whole life of dieting and you've got a poor relationship with food, you need to sort all of that out first and then we'll do the simple fat loss that I mentioned earlier and it'll make that more easy. But, but whilst you're still in this binge restrict cycle, you're just fighting against yourself. Um, but yeah, this, this idea that all diets are damaging you know, all intentional weight loss diets, no matter how well they're done, are damaging because of the whole, um, yeah, just the intuitive eating movement. And I'm not sure how big that stuff over is. Yeah, there's plenty of it, yeah. Okay. Um, fat positivity. Like, I'm all about, yeah, we shouldn't be shaming people and all about weight stigma being an issue. But, but they're just creating this divide instead of conversations that are conducive to moving forward, you know, with, without two camps but actually a spectrum of like yeah these people definitely shouldn't be having a nutritionist or whoever personal trainer whoever going weight loss weight loss weight loss it's like no that person really needs to take a step back and maybe deal with some of their the psychological side of things um but anyway so talking about some of this this research that that needs to happen more we kind of conclude that women with pcos often have a reduced metabolic rate and I think probably, I mean, that's the small amount of evidence we have is telling us that fine. 
will stick with that as a premise to begin with. But I think we need a lot more research to really draw strong conclusions. But the amount that the metabolic rate is reduced is that we think is reduced is profound. It's like you get, remember that control group I was talking about earlier, and then the PCOS group, and you've got insulin resistance, you know, like high level measurable reaching markers of insulin resistance, PCOS, but then you split that into, okay, women with PCOS who haven't got this high level of insulin resistance and their metabolic rate seems to not be as slowed as those with insulin resistance. But the the groups with insulin resistance, I think just to pluck numbers out there that are roughly what the study found, but you know, don't quote me on the exact number, but it's like 1,850 as a BMR for the control group and 1,180 as, a, as the insulin resistant. It's like a 40% yeah, wow. reduction in metabolic rate. That's screwy. That's, the landscape is harder. Um, and so it requires a different um, mindset to the approach. And that, and that mindset is, uh, I'll draw on like one of those famous quotes, which I'm probably going to mess up, but it's, um, it's, not the, it's not about having a, a good hand of cards. It's about playing your hand well. And so just coming at it from a point of acceptance, like, um, you know, I really like uh, bodybuilding and I would love to be mega, mega jacked. And um, I know I'm never going to be mega, mega jacked, but it's a case of I just still have to do the same things anyone else would if they wanted to get more muscular. Um, but I just know I'm never going to achieve that. And in the same way, it's like, I want to lose weight or weight loss would improve my health and improve the symptoms of PCOS that I want to improve. And it's going to be harder for me. And, or I would like to look like X, Y, Z person. And I know I probably never will because I've been dealt this hand of cards, but I'm going to move in that direction and be the best version of me that I can be, but just, but not going, it's not fair. Like the, the, it's not fair mentality doesn't help anyone. Like I'm just as guilty of it as others. Um, but, but at least going any, you know, tackling your own tendency to go, it's not fair. Um, and, and going, well, no one's going to help you. Like it, the life's not fair. You just need to accept that it's not fair and go how much effort and, time resource, money resource, et cetera, effort resource, am I going to put into this endeavor? Um, and I'm not going to get to where someone else could with the same amount of effort. And um, it's going to take much longer potentially. And once you can start with that, that mindset, um, the principles of, of weight loss, fat loss apply across the board and, um, I suppose I've, it's nice having an open conversation where your listeners will hear this, but I'm not talking at them or to a specific person because then they can feel like judgment or shame or whatever, but just kind of hearing it and letting them wash over them. People make excuses and um, they lie to themselves. They lie to their coach. They also unknowingly lie to themselves. Like 
calorie counting, for instance, is incredibly difficult. And as much as people think that they are reporting accurately, we don't. Like I've said this before, and I had I had I, ha I have my fair share of trolls on Instagram, and when I post about PCOS, I always get people from the quacky worlds, and 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 again the um you know just seeing me again as a white thin privileged cis straight male blah 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 and it's just like you're arrogant you're you don't know about our struggles blah 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 and i'm like i probably know more about women's with pcos struggles than you do because i've helped so many people and had conversations with so many people and invested over a decade in this area you're one person who has this incredibly strong bias and attack mentality because you feel you've been dealt this crappy hand of cards or you know people have been horrible to you or whatever and um but but they literally they were saying you know you're what like one of these people who just says women with pcos are liars and they're just misreporting their calories and i'm like you're human you lie like unless you're saying you're not a human you lie like everyone from age zero to has lied right you do and with regards to the calorie reporting data everyone lies and i get in so much trouble for saying this but i'm not ever going to stop but women lie more than men and on my tour i talk about this and you know i i give it much more time than i'll be able to give today but talk about that with compassion and empathy and understanding or you know some sympathy uh, an understanding of why that might be because women are dealt a much harder hand of cards than men when it comes to body composition. And I guess what we would call societal norms or pressures. So there is an obvious reason that people, that women might misreport more than men, like really interestingly, children, the research shows children I use the word lie because it's provocative and slightly funny sometimes, but I just mean misreporting. And I don't mean necessarily, I, I create these terms knowingly and unknowingly non-adherent. So you can be unknowingly non-adherent to a calorie deficit. You don't know you're not doing it, but you're just not understanding something somewhere. Uh, and children lie slash misreport calories less than adults and when i read that research i was like that's really interesting like you'd think kids would get it wrong or lie or whatever and it's like you know did you eat that chocolate no i didn't but you you turn it around and you go adults have more people pleasing behavior so you get an investigate investigator uh, in one of these studies and it's like you know what did you eat and as an adult you go like I have conversations with people all the time about, oh, you know, I had that, I had that chocolate, but I probably shouldn't have. And because they know who I am, they're like, oh, you know, I probably shouldn't have had that. And I'm like, why? Why have you said that? Why have you needed to clarify that? Because like, have your chocolate. I almost end up eating more junk food myself just to show people that I don't care or, or whatever. But children, like, did you eat that chocolate? Yeah, I did. And what? And I'll have another one if I want it. <laughs> you know, it's like, they don't, there's not this issue. And again, in a weight loss study, you, you, you have a female group and you have a male group, the men lose more weight and it's easier for them. They don't have hormonal um, changes during the study and all this different kind of stuff and they lose more weight. And, and, you know, it's like, how much weight did you lose as a female participant? Oh, 
like not much. And I know they've lost loads of weight. What's wrong with me? You know, what did you eat? And then you start going, Oh no, I didn't eat that. I didn't, you know, it's, it, it makes sense. So again, women lie more than men. And uh, you know, when it comes to calorie reporting and, or misreport, I should probably just say that there's a snippet of me just being nice. Female participants in studies underreport the calories more than male counterparts. <laughs> um, and, and then we know that individuals with higher levels of body fat misreport more than leaner individuals. So again, why, you know, you can probably apply the same sort of reasoning that I, I just went through there. So, um, but then in the situation of women with PCOS, you do get this situation of, well, if you tell a woman with PCOS and you just do the estimated BMR that, you know, people tend to use like a Harris Benedict formula for BMR, it will overestimate their calorie requirements. So it may well be that they are eating X amount of calories, say, whatever, 1500 calories. And that is, that isn't a deficit for them. That is maintenance. Um, and they are called a liar or whatever. And, and it does irk them and that creates a chip on their shoulder. But it's when you have situations of, I tell them, you need to be in a deficit to lose weight. No, I've been in a deficit and it didn't work. No, if you didn't lose fat, you weren't in a deficit. No, I was. I counted everything. Blah, blah, blah. Just listen to me. If you're not in a deficit, you won't lose weight. If you are, you will, or, or fat at least. So, you know, it's... I, I'm just a messenger. I'm just a messenger of the hardcore, unfallible laws of physics here. Um, but the situation is maybe you were in an assumed deficit, an estimated deficit, but you weren't in a real world deficit. And so that's why having some of this theoretical knowledge can be helpful because you go, do you know what? Maybe that's not a deficit for you. Maybe we need to go lower. And then there's more discussions around, sheesh, a thousand calories a day is not much to be eating. Is this going to be sustainable? How? What can we do with the other side of the equation, the output side, or whatever? Um, you know, then then you need a you need to study at Nutrition Uni to uh, understand exactly how to help people to do that. But um, that's the whole conversation. But at least starting from that point of. It isn't that you're intolerant to carbs. Like that was my big crusade for a while. It is not that you're intolerant to carbs that you can't lose weight. We go back to these studies in women with PCOS in the real world. These aren't lab rats. These aren't lab humans. These are women with PCOS just like you. And we put them on low carb and high carb diets in a deficit. And we even stratify them based on insulin resistant or not insulin resistant status. And we look at the bar charts of the weight loss and all of them lose weight, all of them across the board because they were all in a deficit. But we get these varying size graphs and it's like, oh, interesting. Um, you know, there might be a slightly greater benefit for low carbohydrate approaches in insulin resistant individuals, whatever. But they all categorically lost fat. So if you're not, if your body weight's not changing, you have to look inwards. You have to go, what am I missing? You know, where on the equation am I, am I not hitting 
this adherence to a calorie deficit. Um, and it, it's not until you can just own that and you can take responsibility. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not a, someone who believes that, you know, being healthy in the right BMI or whatever is pure personal responsibility. Like there's huge genetic and environmental factors. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but you have to at least own your situation and go, you can go, I'm this way. And it's not my fault because of my genetics and whatever, as long as you're not lying to yourself. And as long as you know that, you know, your genetics load the gun, but still your habits, daily habits pull the trigger and you can't, your genetics are not your destiny. Um, but they may be, change the tra trajectory of your um, journey, as it were, and maybe where you'll end up. So, uh, yeah, like, like I've spoken a lot there, I've realized like you, you just, I've just gone on. No, uh, I'm happy to absorb all of that. And I mean, I really yeah. hope that, you know, people hearing that, I mean, I guess I'm always, I guess, biased in the situation in that, you know, this is something I do. I yeah. have done it for 20 plus years and I, I feel very familiar with what you're saying, but I do believe that you do put it across in a, in a very simple way that people do understand. And that I'm hoping that someone who is sitting there who may have just been given that diagnosis or has had it for years and they've struggled with, you know, losing weight and they've you know, had their fights with their PTs or their nutritionists and said, no, but I am doing this. I'm, and they've given, been given bad advice uh, in the past mm -hmm. that, some of those clear points that you've made there today can really, you know, just cement something. And as I said, internalize it a bit, I guess, turn it back on them and say, you know what, hang on. Am I being truthful in the last six months? Have I really done everything that I could have? Or have I used some excuses to kind of scapegoat myself out of this a little bit or whatever it might be. And I think, I certainly think that you have, and I really hope that people um, listening in um, today have certainly gathered that from it as well. Yeah. The, um, the other thing just to say is, and I don't think I did a very good job of this, or at least I didn't spend enough time on it um, in the content that I put out this month, but was, and I, I, I created a quote, which was something like, you're not a woman with PCOS, you are you. And I thought it was a bit cheesy, probably, which is why I didn't post it. And, and I sort of sometimes have this thing of people who just think I'm I'm doing it trying to sound pro profound, but there is something profound in that statement of, I will get people commenting. When, when I talk about the, the research and the evidence around dairy, for instance, and there's this, this whole idea that dairy is inflammatory and we know the, the evidence seems pretty, um, pretty consistent in showing that dairy either has this neutral or anti-inflammatory impact within our diet. And um, so I, I post about this because I don't like the idea that someone thinks I've got PCOS, I have to cut out dairy, done. And then they do that and their PCOS doesn't improve. And they're like, oh, I'm broken, I'm screwed, like game over. I don't like the idea of that because it's so disempowering. It just doesn't sort of promote change as it were, or, or like an environment for change. And um, then I get people going, well, I cut out dairy and it massively improved my IBS and uh, my skin, and blah, 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 blah. And I've got PCOS and, and whatever. And also I lost weight. 
And then it's kind of like, well, what were you eating before? Well, I was eating, you know, cheese with every single meal and loads of ice cream and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, of course you did. You just cut out a boatload of calories. But this woman over here who was just having a bit of milk in her tea and whatever did it and it made no difference for her or, you know, was eating lots of yogurt, which was providing you know, like probiotic yogurt, which was providing lots of protein and uh, nutrients and minerals, whatever. And, and she's now cut that out and it hasn't improved as if, if not negatively affected her. So there's two situations of one, they need to open their ears and, and just listen and read what I actually write and also probably educate themselves on some principles. You cut, why did you lose weight? Dairy doesn't stop anyone losing weight. Calories our underlying principle factor. And, but on the flip side, you might be an individual who doesn't do well with dairy. That exists, but we, we treat those two things separately. We treat the PCOS and we treat the dairy or any other food that you might have a, you know, again, quote unquote, intolerance to, because, you know, intolerance is not a very well defined, overly reliable term. You know, we have a, you know, an allergy is reliable. We can test an allergy. We have um, IgE, immunoglobulin test to go, you know, eat a peanut. If you go into anaphylactic shock, yeah, you've got a peanut allergy. You probably don't need this little stupid test that you buy from the local chemist telling you that you're intolerant to peanuts. You'll know if you've got an allergy, but intolerance testing itself doesn't work. And I see a lot of women with PCOS going for intolerance testing and you get these, you know, millions and millions and millions of people take intolerance tests. You only need a tiny percentage of those people to just by pure luck, cut out something that was actually making them feel not great to, to have a hundred testimonials on your website going, this changed my life. And these, but these people don't realize that they're one-off probably complete luck of the draw that this test happened to hit their intolerance mm. um they just go no you're wrong you know i can only talk from my experience guess what karen no one gives a crap about your experience um they care about their own experience and they care about you know we should all care about science and you know i could literally just you know go on a tick list right count this 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 what have we got okay strawberries milk Brett, you know, and it's just like, try that. I could just do that. And I'd hit exactly the same as these intolerance tests we're getting. Um, so yeah, it is this thing of like, you are you and, and, and understanding that. And so don't go, Oh, I'm fine to eat dairy. When you know, in your heart, you know, if someone trusts me that much, that's an issue. Um, if they go, well, he said dairy is fine. And I know every time I eat it, I feel horrific, but Martin said like, don't, don't be that person. Um, but, but understand that you, you are you and you'll have a sort of unique situation. Um, and so you, it is a journey with learning how to deal with your PCOS and, and what foods you will tolerate, but, but go with the generalized advice that seemingly does work this emphasis on slightly lowered carbohydrate, just seemingly across the board really helps making some of the food swaps that I've mentioned, potentially like emphasizing protein and your distribution so that it's over the day so we can get this 
management of appetite that we know happens with elevated protein intakes and then and then definitely don't cut out fat you know i spent most of my early career fighting against this low fat dogma um you know women with pcos will seemingly benefit a lot from lots of the natural foods that are naturally high in in these good fats um yeah so i'll 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 finish talking there. <laughs> no, I mean, I think you wrapped that up um, well, because I was going to just then ask, you know, I, I always like leaving a podcast. So someone walks away. Okay. Susie's sitting here and she goes, okay, Martin, you've, you've gone on with your talk and you've said everything here is, but what can I do tomorrow? Like what's the one, two and three that I can, you know, have some sort of, you know, real life benefit that's going to help me, you know, and my PCOS uh, moving forward. And I think you kind of wrap that up with those last little, um, you know, little point dot points and nuggets there. But, to that Susie listening in now, if you had to kind of on what I used as the scale of shit that matters, what's kind of like the number one thing that is generalized, as you said, there's no magic diet for PCOS. There's no magic kind of, this is the nugget, but for the general kind of consensus that most of the research is showing and what you've seen in clinical practice, what's, what's the one thing that Susie does tomorrow is more often than not going to have a benefit to not only the symptoms that she you know experiences on a day-to-day helping with her PCOS in on the whole and kind of just moving forward from where she is currently now feeling shitty about it all and kind of not seeing results to actually seeing some results and feeling a bit better about it. Yeah. So the, the one thing I will say, which I amazingly haven't mentioned yet is, is this supplement inositol, which um, I, made you know was looking at the research for this for years and years and years until i really got off the fence and went every woman with pcos should try this and since i've said that like i've had people going we're gonna name we're gonna give our child the middle name martin because uh or martina because you made this baby happen you know not directly uh <laughs> but <laughs> indirectly through the advice i gave on inositol and Inositol is this really quite unbelievable in terms of something that's so natural. Um, you know, lots of women with PCOS are told to go on birth control, which is, you know, an unfortunate, I think, um, first line medical practice, unfortunately. The the second line in terms of insulin resistance is they, they're given metformin, which can have great um, effects. Unfortunately, lots of people suffer from side effects. And you can take inositol alongside metformin because that, that is such a common question I get. And um, they act via different um, mechanisms. But inositol, the research is, and it, inositol actually hasn't got to the, the grade of evidence or hasn't been put into like these national, you know, worldwide guidelines, NICE guidelines, National Institute of Clinical Excellence, I think is what NICE is, but they're, they're like our top level medical advice type thing. But, you know, it only, it only take, you know, Susie, I think you called her two minutes to log onto my Instagram, go and, or just type in Martin McDonald inositol into the internet. And um, you, you find the dosages that I recommend. And the evidence is just overwhelming in terms of regulating menstrual cycle, in terms of improving fertility outcomes, uh, which a lot of women with PCOS obviously have issues with. Um, uh, and other symptoms uh, 
of PCOS improving with inositol supplementation. And it's a very well toler tolerated natural supplement, very inexpensive. Um, it just takes some effort to take it twice a day. And, um, but, you know, it's really, really profound. And, you know, in terms of, you know, the scale that you're talking about, it's so little effort, like it's literally 10 seconds of your whole day and, you know, 50p of money and you're done, that's it. And it's having these huge benefits. Unfortunately, the next step up from that is they're all bigger, much bigger effort, uh, time and effort resource tasks of, um, you know, out exercise it, you know, incredibly beneficial for women with PCOS. And um, it's not sexy advice because it's everyone should exercise i've not got time to exercise i've not time to do more steps or you know whatever but in terms of exercise being this dramatic um having this dramatic impact on insulin sensitivity you know a, a, make time for it if you want to improve your pcos make time for as intense exercise as you are sort of comfortable doing um and then i think the uh, the next key area would just be looking at um at carbohydrate like it's it, it's just seemingly again for for a lot of people it's just an area if we've been lazy you know i'm super lazy with my diet when i don't have, that's why i have these meals because it just forces me into good habits um but when i'm taking care of myself i don't take care of myself and again that's partly just because of my privileged situation of genetics of i can look a way that i'm just sort of relatively comfortable with without any effort which is unfair and i own that unfairness um but from someone who wants to make these changes um consider these things about you know are you eating a lot of bread a lot of you know white bread sorry you know white rice uh you know chips whatever which are not i don't want to sort of demonize those as foods but in your situation the research shows with very little effort just you know when people talk about low carb being better for pcos um the, it's not low low carb literally these studies will take people from like 55 percent to 43 percent of their calories coming from carbs and they and all these statistical significant changes happen in area under the curve of insulin and like that it's we're not talking keto we're not talking a life of no carbs we're talking get that under control and if you're just snacking on popcorn you know oh it's low calorie popcorn like don't do it go for something you know find a nut that you like um, and start snacking on nuts, you know, it, make that small effort change, which is a small bit of effort. You have to engage your brain and go, do you know what? I'm going to buy some cashew nuts. Or I'm going to make a nut mix and I'm going to have some of those. Um, yeah. So just look into, uh, you know, we could talk about carbohydrate intake for a whole nother podcast. I know, but it's like, just look into it, start, you know, to start that step on your journey. I mean, you might have other podcasts they can listen to and they, you know, they can go and start doing their research in their area and on what they can do. Just on inositol really quickly, um, yeah. is is that something that they have to go to their doctor to kind of be prescribed? Is it something that's over the chemist counter or like where, where, where are they getting this from? Yeah, um, you, it literally, you can get it anywhere. Like jump onto Amazon, MyProtein. Um, it, it's just a powder or a capsule. 
um, it's it's nothing that is gonna, you know, it's not like a pharmaceutical or anything like that. Um, they can just jump on, grab some powder, measure it properly. Um, you know, I tend to say like get get some little scales so you can weigh it out at the amount of powder you need. If you get capsules, obviously you don't need that, but it just means you're popping a fair few capsules sometimes to get like an effective dose. Um, and and expense wise, I'm always sort of uh, try to give the sort of cheap economical version, but I know some people do have you know money to burn, and so knock yourself out, go and buy these expensive capsules or tablets and take lots of them. But yeah, just myoinositol. Um, which if it just says inositol, it will be myoinositol. Um, and yeah, they can just get it anywhere. And realistically, you know, people go, do you have specific brands you recommend? I don't really. And unfortunately, because of having an audience that's in, you know, worldwide, it's like where you'll get it from in Australia versus America versus UK versus whatever. Um, it will be different. And I'm, I'm happy. Like I spend a lot of my time on Instagram. If people want to just send me, uh, you know, I, I'm getting this one. I've done my research. It seems like the one, shall I buy this? I don't like which one shall I use? Cause I'm just like, you've been lazy. Um, but if you've gone your research, you've sent me a link and I click it and I go, it, it's see everything I can see from the outset. You know, if that company's, this is the other problem. Supplements are not regulated well. Um, so if you go and get one from your, you know, your local, gym or whatever like and it's not a sealed packet and whatever it's just there's dodgy stuff but it's like if you if they're generally a large reputable company you'll be all right yeah perfect well um yeah matt i really appreciate all the time you've given over um to yeah walking through um you know the ins and outs of pcos and um yeah i have no doubt that people are going to find benefit uh from this podcast and i guess moving forward um for yourself you know what what's coming up for you how can people find you what, how can people kind of consume your content? Like, you know, I want to obviously give you the stage to, you know, be as blatant as you want, you know, plug what you want, tell, tell people where they can find you. Cause I, as I said, I've spoken about you many times. I've tagged you in many things and my audience have certainly appreciated what you've done, but for anyone who hasn't um, found you yet, like where can they find you and what can they uh, see you on? Yeah. So <clears throat> I sort of mentioned my Instagram often at Martin nutrition. Um, I've got my website, martin-mcdonald.com, which again, if people are interested, because I, I do do these tours around the world and I always make stuff super economical. Um, if they want to sign up for my, I call it my Mac mail newsletter. Um, maybe I'll shoot you a link for the, for the newsletter so people can like click it in the, in the description of this. Yeah, and I'll put it in the show notes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I do, I do send out so much free stuff here and there. And because it's just, you know, I, I feel very privileged of where, where I've ended up in, in life as it were, and my career and, and things like that. So it's, you know, my podcast is, is just really purely just a hobby for me and doing stuff like this. It's just a, it's a, you know, like my, my, I spend a lot of time doing these tour talks and it's not a big money earner for me. It's just like, it's a passion. It's what I really love doing. So if they log on to there, if I do stuff on PCOS, um, you know, I've already thought about writing this, a little ebook and, uh, you know, my first thing was like, oh, I'll sell it for £10. And I was like, do you know what? And then I'll, I'll just give everyone 90% off if they're a member of my Mac mail. So it's like 99p for something I could charge hundreds and hundreds of pounds for. But it's just like, I, I'm more interested in just people getting that good information. And um, so if they do do that, like I'm sort of selling it in that way of just like, get on there. If you want to help yourself, you have, you know, I, it's almost like lead a horse, horse to water. It's like, just do that. 
do some work yourself and I would love to like help out. Um, and if you have any UK listeners, I was actually talking to my Frankie, who spoke to my PA before this podcast, but if we've, we've got this live event in November and um, it's cool just to meet people face to face as well. And it's just like nice creating that community and, and lots of people go away with like friendships and sort of support each other in their journey and those kind of things. And like we We've recently had someone um, sign up for MNU, but he saw me speak many years ago at a big fitness expo and he sort of followed my journey. He's lost an unbelievable amount of weight, changed his life. And now he's like, I want to change my career. Um, so it's super cool like that it started at one of these public talks. Um, but we've sort of said we'd, we'd give, I can't remember, it's like 40% off a ticket. So I'll give you that. And then people in the show notes, they can, if they want to come along to that talk, 40% off the, the, the full ticket, then... Um, you know, it's such a cool day. I love our live events. We really look after people, get like hot buffet lunches and all day refreshments. And I, I almost want to be a bit cheeky online and just go, whenever I see another expo and I see how much they're charging and you don't get anything. Like I go to some of these events, it's like, there's no teas and coffees. There's not even like water yeah. to drink. It's like, oh, you've got like 23 minutes for your lunch break. And there's like a, there's a Tesco's 15 minutes down the road. So if you run there and back, you'll only miss the first 10 minutes of thing. And it's like, we're like, look, We've, we've put on lunch for you. It's this amazing, you know, four-star hotel buffet lunch. And it's included in your ticket um, as well as all the goodies, as well as all the talks. It's um, so, yeah, that, that's my big plug is like, if, if you're in the UK or anywhere, you can get to the UK, come to that event. It's going to be, I, I'm so psyched about it because it's obviously two years since we've been able to do anything really any, well, anything yeah, <laughs> like go absolutely. out of our houses. I know you guys are, are still, um, struggling with it i'm sorry about that but um hopefully moving forward things are going to get better right yeah well I'm, i actually started this instagram page of mine um back in 2016 ish mm -hmm. um and um i've spoken about this a long time um about but i had huge issues when i was running my business and uh, mental health issues when i was just cooking myself with obviously too many hours at work and so i took a year off uh, with my wife and then one-year-old daughter um, and we went and lived in France for the year. And so when I started that page, I was in Europe. And so 40% of my audience is actually from the UK. So I have a very large, I say very large, but you know, relatively yeah. large um, UK um, audience. And so I'm going to selfishly say, you know, any of my audience listening on here, make sure you go up to Martin and say, I'm here because I heard you on yeah. you know, the podcast and maybe I'll yeah. get you back a bit quicker next time. Yeah, cool. um, from yeah, that. And so, yeah, but no, I really hope that, you know, people do um, come out because I love talks and I love going to see um, people that, you know, I obviously look up to and I love their information at seminars. And obviously that's certainly been cut a lot over the last couple of years. And so I'm certainly looking at getting back to seeing and doing things as well uh, myself. And so, yeah, I really hope that your event goes really well, mate. And I hope that, um, yeah, someone, if not more, um, come come along and uh, can, yeah, as said, uh, just tap you on the shoulder and say, I'm here because I heard you on the podcast. You know, yeah. that was a great talk today. So I'd love that for you as well. So I wish you well with it, mate. Cool. Well, thanks for having me on. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, I hope people, hope people get something from it. Um, can I just indulge you right at the end? I always have a quick fire five of my uh, guests that come on. So real simple questions, real simple answers, just to uh, a quick fire five, if you don't mind uh, indulging us right at the end. I don't mind at all. Excellent. Um, first response that comes to mind, beach or snow? Say that again, sorry. <laughs> first response that comes to mind, would you rather <laughs> go to the beach or snow? Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of what did you think I just said? Yeah, you don't want to know. 
I'm thinking it's bitch or something along that kind of line and something else because of my accent. I can only imagine. Uh, Beach, definitely. Yep. Um, (laughs) If you could travel um, in one way or the other, would you rather go to the future or the past? Oh. uh... Past, I think. I always like to have a follow-up to that. Is there somewhere in the past that you're thinking of that you would go to? My thinking was if you go into the future, you can't necessarily come back, right? So um, if you you can always travel one way, you can go back to the past and you can like, basically it was about buying time. And, and also also probably changing decisions I've made. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so that was my thinking. Nothing too, nothing too decent. Fair enough. Um, no worries about no nutritional value or anything like that. What's the one food that you'd have for the rest of your life? You could only have the one, one option. Probably. And this is maybe a bit of a cheat, but um, pick and mix. And, I, and do you know what? Australians are morons when it comes to sweets, right? Because you call them lollies, don't you? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I had this thing, right? So when I was doing my talk in Sydney, it's like an eight-hour talk, or like say six hours with breaks. And I'm the whole day talking to this room of like 250 people. And I'm talking about pick and mix all the time because I love sweets. And uh and, and squashies are this particular type of UK sweet that I really love, but pick and mix. And so I pick and mix is like, it's called candy King. And there's like all these things and you can like select different sweets from them. And so I'm talking about pick and mix and that this is relevant to loads of the analogies I've given all day long. And then, <laughs> and then like five and a half hours in this guy at the front goes, uh, what's pick and mix and i was like does anyone know what pick and mix is and the whole audience was like no and i was like why did no one tell me you idiots and then this woman's like oh they're lollies and i was like lollies i was like and then i went i i'm obviously is this video do you, do your listeners go on video yeah, yeah. Is it? yeah so i can do the hand action so i was like and i did it on purpose because honestly australian audience are my favorite like the best sense of humor there's so few karens just 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 funny people with good sense of humors. And so I was like, no, this is a lolly. Like, uh, like that. <laughs> and this woman in the front row goes, oh no, that's a gobby. <laughs> Which as I understand it is a, yeah. Yep. Uh, so anyway, it was hilarious. It was funny, but I was like, so my, my food that I'd eat for the rest of my life is pick and mix. So obviously you get a variety of different sweets, but I'm just a massive, massive sugar, sweet jelly, jellies, squashy sweets, Yep. fiend perfect yeah. um family friend famous dead or alive who would you like to have for dinner tonight oh good question do you know what oh there's too many to count um i'm <laughs> this is mainly because there's a guy called dr victor frankel right and he wrote wrote the book man's search for meaning and it's the only book I've ever read. And I still haven't finished it. I've got about 10 pages left um, in my whole adult life. I've never read a book, uh, which people I think find a bit weird. Um, so Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. And honestly, it's it, it's been, you know, through the last 18 months of my life, which have 
been probably the worst 18 months of my life, to be totally frank. But it's kind of some of the messages in there have really kept me going. And this, and, and I was also aware of Viktor Frankl before I read the book, because I just seen, I follow, I follow lots of these kind of pages with some quotes, because I just find if a quote hits you at the right time, you can just really sort of sit on it, meditate on it and just sort of absorb it and um, be reflective of yourself. And so he, he's got stuff about, like one of his quotes is, you know, anything can be taken from a man um, apart from his um his ability to choose his uh, attitude towards any given circumstances. So it's like something like that. I've sort of messed up a bit, but essentially it's like quotes like that, which I was like, it's just so profound. It's like, yeah, you, you, the life can take anything from you other than your use you always hold the power of how you react to a situation what you see in a situation. You can choose to go with the negative or the positive and to keep going or not and stuff. And, but then reading his book, it's literally a game changer. Like the stuff in that book, um, I just, it was probably, I'd say life-changing for me in a way. Um, and it, and much of it was because it did resonate with how I view life and, and values and morals anyway but <clears throat> i find it motivates so he he's a he's a clinical psychologist but basically he spent most of his life or a lot of his life in auschwitz in the uh, concentration camps and it's it's his whole account of that life which is the probably one of the worst lives you can live and you know he just talks about basically being able to be positive faced with that and if he can do that and we're complaining about covid and you know i was just sat at home in the warmth with wi-fi um it's it puts stuff in perspective so probably i'd have him for dinner um because he did seem like a bit of a brilliant man have you ever heard of the um book uh, the happiest man on earth i oh, know i don't think i have it's a very similar book a guy um who lived through Auschwitz. He saw all of his family um, killed uh, in the camps. And then he turned a hundred and decided to write a book. And wow. so on his hundredth birthday, he wrote this book and he just yeah went back through his life um, and the accounts of that. Um, Eddie something or other, I can't remember. Like the front cover is the most beautiful picture of this very um, elderly man, you know, beautiful smile on him. And it's called the happiest man on earth. Um, and yeah, a really, really good book. Um, I'm like you, I've never read a book in my life. I'm so lucky that Audible came along because I love, I don't mind listening um, to okay. books. And so I do it when I work out or if I go for a run or whatever it might be. Um, but I hate sitting and reading things. Yeah. I just did it too much from my masters and having to go through journal article. I was like, I don't want to see another book in my life kind of thing. So um, yeah, that's another really good book. Um, kind of very similar kind of pathway from there. Um, so yeah. Um, and the last one, um, I know everyone always says they'd want to spend it with their family, but I want you to get super selfish. You've already done this. There's 24 hours left on this planet. What do you do with that last 24 hours for yourself? Uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> I probably should have researched your podcast more and found out. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, so, oh, jeez. So my answer would be spend it with my two children, genuinely. Yep. Um, but but second, I think it would just be. I I just love partying, right? And and I get a lot of um hate for it. Genuinely hate online. 
because people just think it's like some kind of part. Like I, I said this quote recently about um, <clears throat> uh, you build up an it's a you build up uh, an idea of what someone's like, and then feel let down by them when they don't they aren't that expectation. And it happens online. They see me as like this father figure, as this kind of upstanding evidence base, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. But I'm genuinely just a bit of one, a kid at heart, but also just love partying. And, um, you know, I've had people contact me because I, whenever I did my tour, it was like 15 events. I'm out clubbing all the nights and people like, oh, you know, have you got a problem? <laughs> like genuinely people like, like nice people reaching out and being like, you know, I just want to check in. Are you all right? And I'm like, I'm literally, this is the best um, 2019 was probably the best year of my life and um and then followed by the worst <laughs> 18 months on life but is but yeah I think I'd spend it just like if I could in your scenario 24 hours I could almost pick I'm just like I'd probably go back to your university student just lots of hot <laughs> confident just surrounded by I just probably go to Australia to Bondi maybe yeah. and just have uh just a party um just basically the most hedonistic party ever if that's my last 24 hours that's probably what i do like i'm sure some people are like i'd go and sit and watch us i'd go for a hike and then i'll watch a sunset on mount kilimanjaro but like it's just not me uh i just it would be people craziness um yeah that that, that it, would be me it's interesting you bring that up because I've, I've asked that i've had 146 podcasts i think now i right. think i'm on um and i'd say 75 percent of those podcasts have had guests on them and so i've asked that question a number of times and for my 100th podcast i had my business mentor on who's been in my life for many many years a really close friend of mine and he turned the ships on me and he said no nah, i'm not going to let you ask those questions i'm going to ask them to you and when he got right. to that he's like so what would you do for your final 24 hours? And the response I gave just shocked, just completely shook people because same thing. I'm a father figure, quite, quite, quite spoken guy. I don't drink. I don't party a whole lot. I did all of that in my twenties and I got it out of my system. I don't, yeah, you know, that's just not. And so my answer to that was I'd try cocaine for the first time. I'd get behind the car, uh, behind the wheel of a Lamborghini and I'd go 300 kilometers an hour down the freeway straight into a light pole. And I'd end, wow. it, I'd end it in a blaze of glory. Yeah. And he's just looked at me. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. And the responses I got from people was like, I knew you loved cars, but what the <laughs> hell was that answer? I was like, was like, I've never not, but I was just like, I'm yeah. going to dictate when I, and it, you know, if I've given 24 hours, yeah, I'm yeah. going out on the 18th hour and I'm doing it in yeah. absolute blaze of glory and just no. having the time of my life. So no, yeah, I think if you're, uh, if you're coming to Bondi and having a, a party to end all parties, then I think that's a great answer to have for the uh, last 24 hours. <laughs> Well, I'm glad. I'm glad it's not the most crazy answer you've ever been given. No, not at all. <laughs> um, but Martin, it's been a great fun, Martin. I really, again, I really appreciate your time and your uh, expertise. And, um, you know, I think, as I said, what we shared tonight uh, and you shared across in, um, in great depth um, is certainly going to help someone, um, you know, move forward from the you know, predicament or the, uh, I guess, position they find themselves in now. And they might be feeling hopeless and just, I've, I've tried everything. I don't know where to turn. Um, so, yeah, I really hope this podcast helped them out. And so I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you very much, Adam. Excellent. Uh, guys, that's been another episode of the Let's Talk Fast podcast. As I said, all of the show notes will contain everything you need to know about uh, Martin and finding out him and everything that he spoke about um, today. I'll make sure those links are there and I'll talk to um, not only Martin, Frankie, and we'll get those uh, details in there. Um, but guys, I hope that you've enjoyed this. Do all those things. I've said it a million times before. Review it, star it, and all those things. But uh, guys, I'll be back next week. I love you all. Bye. <laughs>